Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Property Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. October 5th, 2023, and it is indeed a heck of a morning. We are live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. You can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. Hello again, everybody. I am Mike Heck. Hope everyone's having a wonderful week. Hope everyone's enjoying the start of October. It is fall, depending on where you are. The weather is cooling down a little bit. The leaves are changing colors. Halloween is upon us, which is crazy because I've gone to some stores over the last couple of days and I'm seeing Christmas stuff all over the place. We haven't even gotten to freaking Halloween yet. So I don't know why that happens, but that's where we're at. But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about the wonderful world of mixed martial arts. We got two events coming up this weekend. Both on Saturday, we get the UFC and Bellator going head-to-head. We have UFC Vegas 80, which will get things rolling. 4 p.m. Eastern prelims, 7 p.m. main card. The main event, of course, Grant Dawson versus Bobby Green. We got Joe Pfeiffer, Abdul Razak Al-Hassan, Alex Morono versus Joaquin Buckley. Drew Dober, Ricky Glenn, Bill Algio, Alexander Hernandez. That is the main card. That's not bad. We've had way worse main cards than that this year. Philippe Linz versus the dapper Iwan Kuchalaba. Did you see Iwan Kuchalaba at Media Day? Shaved face. He's wearing a suit. Dude looked like a couple of Billy. Not really used to seeing that from him. Looks stylish. Carolina Kovacavich, Diana Belbida. Nate Manis, Mateus Mendonca, Kanako Morata versus Vanessa Demopoulos, Johnny Munoz versus Arichi Lang, and Montana De La Rosa versus J.J. Aldridge. Talked about this on Tuesday. A big gut punch, losing the second most compelling fight on the card. 
maybe even the most compelling from a competitive standpoint, Chris Gutierrez versus Montel Jackson, no longer happening. Man, that sucks. But hopefully Montel Jackson can get back in there sooner rather than later. And then Bellator's got a, got a pretty big card, took a bit of a hit as well. We lost one of the four title fights that were scheduled. We lost Ryan Bader versus Linton Vassell. But we still got three big title fights. We got Usman Nurmagomedov versus Brent Primus, Chris Cyborg, Returns against Katzengano for the featherweight title. That fight's finally happening. Liz Carmouche versus Alima Lay McFarlane for the women's flyweight title. There are some pretty interesting fights on this card. We got the scheduled debut for Bellator of Slim Trebelsi against Davion Franklin. We got Henry Corrales, Kai Kamaka. It's a damn good fight. Grant Neal's going down to 185 to fight Romero Cotton. That's a fun fight. Bellator... Putting together a pretty good card. Our own E. Casey Lydon is in San Diego for coverage of that event. So, yeah, it should be good. A lot going on. Uh, we confirmed yesterday, it was asked on this program about uh, are we going to get Mavzar Vloya versus Arnold Allen? There were some rumors going out. There was some a tweet that went out that the fight was happening. Date TBD. Uh, it apparently is going to happen January 20th, UFC 297 in Toronto. That is the targeted location. That is the targeted date. Fight is probably going down on that card. Uh, it's, both sides have confirmed that this is what is the plan. So that fight's happening. That's a good one. That's a good one for... January 20th, I know our own Guillermo Cruz broke a fight yesterday for January. Uh, Norma Dumont versus Yana Santos, I believe that's January 13th. I believe that will be the first card of 2024. Uh, it'll be at 135, so Norma Dumont going down to Bantamweight. So things are coming together. Still no main event official for UFC 297. It appears that we're looking at possibly... Volkanovski versus Taporia for that card. We talked about that on the program last week. That's what is being eyed to potentially headline that card. It's not a done deal just yet, from what I understand, but other reports have said that that will likely be the main event. And as we talked about last week, if that is, there's a good chance that is the case. So we'll see how that plays out. But let's go to you guys and gals and see what is on your mind. By the way, BTL, 12.30 today, uh, our monthly Q&A episode. So stay tuned for that. Jed and I, I believe Casey will join us from San Diego as well. Um, and we'll just answer your questions for about an hour or so. And we'll just banter back and forth to get you ready for the weekend ahead and all the things going on. So Thomas, go ahead and kick off the question-asking festivities. Sorry, is that Hello, sorry, sorry, is that me now? Yeah. Yeah, I got Perfect. you. Perfect. So um my question is what's your sleeper fight of the weekend? There's some really good fights and obviously Bellator. Um looking forward to the main card of UFC. But there's a good boxing fight as well, Warrington and Lee Wood. What do you think of that? That's good that's a real good fight. That's a real good fight. That'll be super fun. I don't know if I'll be able to catch it, but I'll certainly be paying attention to what's going on. Sleeper fight of the week. That might be the actual answer. 
But if we're talking MMA, if we're talking UFC and Bellator, um, I mean, Lens Kuchalaba is going to be crazy. Manus Mendonca is going to be fun. I'm going to go, I mean, it's kind of, this seems pretty easy. It's the first one that popped into my head. It's on the Bellator card. Henry Corrales, Kai Kamaka has got to be the correct answer. Those two dudes are just going to chuck them. And it's going to be a lot of fun. So that's probably the sleeper fight of the weekend. Slim Trebelsi is probably the, the sleeper story of the weekend. Until he actually walks to the cage, I don't know if he's actually fighting because of everything going on with that whole situation. But it's, I mean, we're two days away and it seems like all systems go. I'm curious to see what the aftermath of that is going to be. But I mean, it's pretty, pretty public knowledge at this point. So yeah, I mean, look, there's 16 fights on the Bellator card. I'm sure there's going to be a couple of out of nowhere crazy ones. But, I mean, safe bet, Corrales Kamaka is going to be super fun. Uh, let's go to CV. What's up, CV? Morning. Uh, just a quick question for me. Um, I'm pretty sure you got asked this in previous shows. Um, but, yeah, I want to talk about Michael Chandler. Um, like, worst case scenario, if the Connor fight falls through, like, who should he fight, like, yeah, that's pretty much it for me. Thanks. Um, I mean, I don't think that fight's going to fall through. There's a, a lot of people have been very pessimistic about that fight. I've actually been one of the ones who has been more optimistic that that fight happens. Connor posted yesterday that he started, he submitted everything to Jeff Davitsky, and he's on track to return to the USADA pool. So if that is the case, if that is true, then that's a very good sign. Then that is a very good sign. It's the first time he's actually said, like, I'm making a move towards getting back into it. A lot of times he's just kind of shrugged it off and kind of given no answer answers. But it seems like he's getting back into it. And the timing, it could not be more perfect, if we're being honest, because... If it's October, and if Bellator, not Bellator, Jesus Christ, uh, if UFC 300 is going to take place in April, six months leads us right into April. Michael Chandler was on the MMA Hour yesterday, and he said if, if he had to guess that they're going to hold off on that one until UFC 300. So I do think that fight's going to happen. I've been on board saying that fight's going to happen from the get-go. It's just a matter of when. Now, if we get to, like, February or March and that fight is not announced, then I'm going to start to get a little more worried and maybe the optimism drops a little bit. Once we get to that certain level, once we get to that point, then I'm going to be like, maybe it's not going to happen. If it doesn't happen, I don't know, man. It's, it's pretty tough. He's going to have to fight one of these up and comers. I mean, who knows? Maybe like, Holloway moves up to 155 and fights him. Like, who's going to complain about that? There's Gamrot. There's Sarukian, depending on what he's going to do. Is he going to fight Dariush? Who the hell knows? I don't know. Um, it's got to be one of these up-and-comers. That's for sure. So, I think, I think the fight ends up happening. But, I don't know. 
it's a ways away. We have things have to play out and we'll see, but I, I feel, I feel good. I'm putting that positive juju out into the universe. Panda, go ahead. Oh, for Christ's sake, Panda. 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 Nope. Get back on the horn with cricket, bro. Toke, go ahead. <clears throat> Morning. Um, so, my, I don't know if you've talked about the leaked one contract yet. Have you? I have not. You have not? Okay, cool. So, I want to... Okay, so let me uh, just say my little piece, and then you can uh, go on your merry way and uh, talk about this to the people. To the people. Um, so, this is what exploitation looks like. Um, <laughs> this is... This uh, deal with them, uh, how they can hold on to champions uh, and not even allow them to wear the belts uh, on their own accord. They have to get written consent from your one FC so they can. This is obviously just a this is this is so strange. This part of the contract it kind of confused me, but I guess it's because they don't want people to go around saying, hey, I'm the 1FC champion uh, all over the place. Because then 1FC can say, okay, you can only say that when we say that you do it. So they can kind of control the narrative or something. And then, you know, obviously, how long they can keep fighters under contract uh, even after the normal period of the contract and stuff. Uh, a whole lot of revelations in that uh, leak contract that are... Um, textbook exploitation but if you could uh, kind of uh, talk more about the contract maybe uh, if you've uh, come up with some uh, of your own opinions of it uh, I would like to hear it thank you look I mean we've talked about contracts on this show a million times and it all comes back to the same thing man like nothing's going to change nothing is going to change until these athletes all come together and demand change. They ba basically how it is all set up, depending on who you are and what promotion you fight for. It's basically, you have to deal with this bullshit or you just like, you don't fight. Like you don't sign with the big organization because that's where it is right now. And no one is stepping up and trying to make, Actual change. Now, there are some people, some former fighters. We got the loss, the antitrust lawsuit and all that. We got other fight. We're trying to get the Ali Act passed. And, and there are people who are trying to come together, but it's a very tiny percentage of people who are coming together to try to invoke change. And it's not happening. And we continuously talk about these contracts. We continuously talk about fighter pay. And we all want them to make more money. Hell, we all want to make more money doing what we do. We all feel like we're worth more. We all want to make more money. It's just the nature of the beast. Unfortunately, unless you come together and say, we ain't doing shit until you change this, nothing is going to change. So I just want to put that out there. Um, I did see these. I saw the, the Sardor contract. He's making 15 and, uh, 1500 and 1500 for 
the one Friday fights card, which I mean, obviously it's very low, especially for an organization like that. The one that continuously gets a lot of attention is the Adriana Marias contract. And pulling it up now, he earned a hundred thousand for the Demetrius Johnson fight from their first fight in April of 2021. 100,000 for the bout, including a $50,000 win bonus. It is low for Chip Chipotle, the full contract and veils on the most stricted terminology. Let's see. One retains the rights to the athlete's image even after death for the purpose of selling goods and services. One can use the athlete's image forever and the athlete can't stop them or let anyone else stop them. One has complete ownership and control over everything created with the athlete's involvement. One isn't obligated to pay an athlete if their non-main event bout is canceled, suspended, or postponed. If a fight is delayed for any reason, one can choose to extend the contract period by the same number of days between the original rescheduled bout at its own discretion. If the athlete becomes a one champion, their contract is automatically extended by four fights or 24 months the moment their current contract expires. One retains the right to accept or decline a fighter's offer from a rival promotion up to a year after they have left one. Any bout that is postponed for any reason is cause for one to extend the athlete's contract. Athletes are not allowed to speak publicly about their contract without permission from one. One has the right to use the athlete's name to make and control websites. Athletes shall not change their name without the consent of one. It's insane. Uh, there's a whole shitload of these. Champions have to return their belt anytime one demands and cannot appear publicly with them without one's consent, as Toke just brought up. Athletes must not disparage the promotion or any third parties associated with one, even after leaving the promotion. Athletes cannot be involved in any advertising or promotional materials that contain false, offensive, illegal, or infringing content or any content that infringes upon the intellectual property rights of third parties. There's like six more of these. One can extend or suspend an athlete's contract if they're unable to participate due to injury. One can suspend an athlete's contract for the duration of their retirement. They can terminate a contract if the athlete becomes bankrupt or are subject to an administrative order. At the end of an athlete's contract, they enter an exclusivity period of 60 days where they can only negotiate with one and can't escape to rival promotions immediately. After that period, athletes enter a one-year matching period. The contract is governed by and construed in accordance with the laws of Singapore any disputes related to the contract will be settled in arbitration in Singapore. Uh, and then there's more. Economy tickets for themselves in one corner, man. Athletes receive one twin sharing room as their accommodation. They receive $40 per day per person for fight week, meals, or three meals a day provided by the organizer. Guaranteed 250K for title defenses. One is obliged to offer two bouts per 12-month period. Um, fighter benefits are on a fighter basis. Bryce was going into a championship bout, so that doesn't bode well. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, again, you're at the mercy of these promoters until you change it. So I've always been on the side, like, look, I'd love for these promotions to do the right thing and change the language and pay more and all of these fun things. I would love that. And I think we all would too. Unfortunately, it's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen by itself. These are businesses that try to make money. The UFC is killing it. And no one's complaining, really. Like, no one's really complaining about it outside of the fans and the people. So 
Like I've said a million times, especially when it comes to the UFC, and I know one tries to compare themselves to the UFC and it's just absolutely ridiculous because it's dumb and it makes no sense because they're two completely different things, especially this year, where one is actually getting over as a almost a different thing than what the UFC is. Um, I know as far as the Adriana Marias thing, uh, his manager, Alex Davis, came out on Twitter and disputed some of that. Let me pull it up real quick just so I can give you context. Uh, there it is. Do, do, do. In regards and to clarify the mention of my name on the Bloody Elbow podcast, I make it a stern rule to never discuss financial and contractual issues about my fighters. In this specific case, financials that are stated by Bloody Elbow about Adriano's contract, one, are erroneous and incorrect. Adriano made significantly higher pay than was reported by Bloody Elbow. One has always treated my athletes well. And we've talked about this too. Sometimes, like we, we talk about it with um, when the UFC goes to a city or a town – that discloses pay publicly. Some of them are like, we look at these things and we're like, some of these are absolutely ridiculous because they don't include like any kind of backroom bonuses. They don't include, you know, any other types of things. It's just like your contractual pay. And we know for a fact that this isn't actually the right number on a lot of cases. Like I know Josh Thompson's talked about this a lot. Um, him obviously being a former fighter and, and, and whatnot has talked about this. So uh, do I, do I kind of believe Alex Davis, what he says, that isn't what he got paid? Sure. Sure. I get that. I mean, there's, there's bonuses and discretionary pay and there's all these other things that aren't disclosed in some of those things, even whether it's in the contract or even with the commission's disclosed pay, sometimes there's backroom deals and things of that nature. So I do believe him when he says that, but yeah, some of the language in that contract is crazy. But again, the fighters are agreeing to this. The managers who are well aware of what the contracts say are saying, yeah, go ahead and sign this document. So they know what's going on. And as bad as the language is, they're agreeing to do it. So, but some of it's kind of ridiculous. Like we own your likeness until you die. That's pretty extreme. The belt thing's kind of weird. I don't love that. Um, the negotiation periods and matching rights, like that's pretty s standard. It's a little longer, honestly. Like they can only negotiate with one for six months and then they have a matching period for another year. So that seems like a lot. That's like 18 months you could be waiting for something to come along. So, but nothing's going to change until these athletes with the assistance of managers come together and say, we've had enough. We want change. We want to change this shit. And until that happens, we're just going to keep having these conversations and it stinks. A kudos to bloody elbow for putting this stuff up and, and continuing to cover this stuff. And it sucks. But again, until these athletes, these competitors come together and say, fuck this, we're done. We ain't doing another thing until we get this, this, and this. It's never going to change. And getting thousands of athletes who compete in high-level organizations 
to all agree to just say, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to fight at all. I'm going to sit aside for as long as it takes. Almost impossible. Almost impossible. Look what the UFC is doing with the contender series. They gave away five more contracts. Another losing fighter got a contract on Tuesday. Why? Why? Because he was tough? Because he got it, he took an ass whooping? Like that's why I forget his name. That's why one of the guys got a contract. Dana said he was so tough. So we know what this is. Like we know what the contender series is. It's lost a lot of its luster. Yes, we get some good fights. Yes, we get some craziness. Yes, we've had some memorable episodes. But we know what this is. This is to get people in the door, making 10 and 10. And they're cool with it because what the UFC does and what some of these other organizations will say that they're trying to do is they're treating this like the WWF did in the 1980s. Cause even back then there was talks about unionizing because the wrestlers didn't feel like they were making money. Jesse Ventura was going to try to unionize everything. And as Jesse says, Hulk Hogan went and stooged to Vince McMahon and Jesse got essentially fired, and then he sued the company and got a bunch of money and still gets checks from WWF, if memory serves it correctly. But that's how it was. Like, only they were making wrestlers coming into WWF got a bigger platform, but they were making pretty low level money. But you were given, and how it was explained was. We don't, we're not going to give you big money, but we're going to give you the opportunity to make money. We're going to give you the chance to get over, and if you get over, then you can make money. And that's where this sport is right now. That's where the UFC is. That's where some of these other organizations are. You get entry-level pay. If you can get yourself over and get popular and become a star, then you can make this much more money. They offer the opportunity to do that. We have to remember, folks, MMA is – especially with the UFC. The UFC's only been around 30 years. Seems like a long time, but it's not compared to the NBA and the NHL and Major League Baseball and the NFL. These leagues, these entities have been around way longer than the UFC. So these organizations, they're like two decades behind, really. So, I mean... I'm not expecting anything to change. Joe Lozon's been saying this shit forever. He gets kind of browbeaten for it, but he's not wrong. Getting all these fighters to come together and say, you know what? You want to make this ESPN money? You want to do 50 cards a year? Better find somebody else to fight because we're not doing it until you give us this, this, and this. It's never going to happen. The antitrust lawsuit could make some some change because we're going to see some shit that... We haven't seen before, but yeah, man, it's just another story and it all comes back to the same thing, which is unfortunate. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. 
This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the US, so make sure you don't miss it. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the PropG podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of PropG Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Panda, go ahead. My bad, Mike. Yes. All right, one for two isn't as bad as uh, one for six. Um, yes. All right, so I'll be short and sweet today. I actually want to start something new. You are not on No Bets Bard. You were just kind of filling in that one week. Is there a play on this UFC card that you do like? I will blindly throw a unit on it if so. Every week moving forward. You're going to tell me? Oh, God. That's a uh... – sorry, Panda. Um, I mean, probably not the best idea. I mean, I've only bet on two cards, and I didn't do great in either. Um, let me see. Two, like 293, I was off to like a really good start, and then things kind of fell apart for me. Um, obviously, Izzy getting trucked by Sean Strickland didn't help. Tai Tuivasa getting trucked didn't help because uh, I saw value plays there. To me, let me take a gander. Um, some breaking news. I will actually be on No Bets Barred next week uh, with Jed. So I'm very excited about that. I got the, the tag. So I'm, com- I'm going to be on No Bets Barred with Jed next week. So let's pull up the lines. There's one without even looking that I think I like already. Not totally confident. Um, this is kind of a squash matchy card in a lot of respects, but there are a couple of underdogs that I like here. I think Alex Morono is, 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 a, is a live dog. Joaquin Buckley is a freak athlete and he's good. Alex Morono is just a, Wily veteran, man. He just somehow finds a way to win these fights. He's a plus 142 underdog right now. I think there's certainly value with Alex Morono there. He's certainly fought the better competition than Joaquin Buckley has fought. I think this is closer to a 50-50 fight than the odds indicate. I know Buckley is a, is a dynamic guy, but Morono is just super smart, man. He's just a super smart fighter. Let me see if there's like any props that would be nice. Morono by decisions plus 300. That's not a bad one. The prop that kind of like jumps out to me a little bit is Morono by submission. Like Morono is a really good jujitsu player. Like he's nasty on the ground. You just don't really get to see it that much because he's always on the feet. But he's good, man. He's real good down there. He's super smart when it comes to that. So I think I think there's value with Morono. I think there's value with Felipe Lin, Philippe Linz at plus 124. Uh, I mean, I think there's one fight where it's like we talked about the Mac Jones of MMA and maybe Alexander Hernandez is the Mac Jones of MMA. I think that's what we ultimately landed on. A play that I think like I would make if I was actually betting on this card is I would actually bet Alexander Hernandez at plus 110 
And then if Hernandez, like this is what Alex Hernandez does. Hernandez is probably going to have a really good first round against Bill Algio because he has a really good first round against everybody. But if he doesn't get Bill Algio out of there, I firmly believe Bill Algio is going to beat him. So this could be like the Makwan Amir Khani play where you take the dog shot on him and you hope for a first-round finish. But if it gets out of round one and you can get Bill Algio a plus money in the live odds, I think there's value there. So, yeah, I mean, look, this, this is a squashy kind of a card. There's a lot of, like, massive favorites. Nate Manus isn't a bad play at plus 205. Yeah, I kind of like Marone on the spot. I think the betting odds are a little wide. I think they should be a little bit closer. So, yeah, that's that's where I'm looking. But tell me at your own risk. I will say that. Uh, YVMZ, go ahead. Hey, Mike. Heck of morning. Uh, two quick questions for you. Um, what did you think of Kobe's comments on Islam going up to welterweight to fight him if he gets the welterweight? Um, strap at the end of the year. Wanted to get your thoughts on that, and I wanted to see if you thought that the winner of uh, Magomed Ankalaev and Johnny Walker. Do you think they they would be the next ones to have a crack at the title at, for whoever wins between Yuri and Alex? Uh, thanks so much. I didn't hear Colby's comments about Islam. I know Islam said he wanted to go to 170. I have, let me just tell you, I have zero interest in that. I have zero interest in that. None. He's only def- this would only be a second title defense. There are plenty of gu- there are plenty of guys that are ready to go. Justin Gaethje deserves to get his shot, and there are a, a lot of hungry guys who want their opportunities, not just at the belt, but just at top five opponents. And if your champion continuously is moving up or wants to move up, that hurts things. Now, I will say this. I have more interest, and I know welterweight is kind of a mess too. I have more interest in Colby going down than I do is on going up. For sure. Now, could we do interim titles at lightweight? Sure. Could we do them at welterweight? Absolutely. We could definitely do that. But I don't, especially at lightweight, I do not want to see the lightweight champion after two title defenses, potentially. And he's still going to be Charles Oliveira to get there. I have no interest in seeing him go up to 170 when there's guys there. When there's guys there. Stay at your own weight class and defend your belt. That's what I want to see. Colby's a different example because we don't know. Colby's just such a wild card. He's such a wild card. I don't think he's going to fight Bilal. Maybe he'd fight Usman if they do the Usman-Bilal fight just to try to get one back. Although you can make a case that Usman probably doesn't deserve it. Let's get some new blood in there. I don't think Colby's going to fight Shafkot. Maybe he fights Wonderboy. I don't know. I don't know. Colby looks at the sport way differently. Looks at the sport way differently. He's, He's more of a prize fighter. But I didn't hear the actual comments, but... I don't really want to see Islam go to 170. I'd rather see – I'd be way more interested in seeing what Colby looked like at 155. And even then, I don't even want to see really see that. Stay in your division. Defend against the guys in your division. Try to get a run together. Like that's what I want to see. But if I have the choice, if it's just like these two dudes – if Dana comes out 
after 296, if Makachev beats Oliveira and Colby beats Leon and Dana says, yeah, the next fight's going to be Colby versus Islam and I have the choice of what weight class it happens, I'm way more intrigued to see Colby at 155. I want to see if he can make it. I think he can. He's not a big welterweight. He doesn't really have to cut a ton to get there. But seeing Colby try to get down to 155 is way more interesting to see if Islam can go up. But I, if it's up to me, I don't want to see that fight. Not yet. Dylan, what's up, man? Hey, I had a uh, question regarding Volk. If, uh, if Volk winds up beating Taporia and, you know, Charlie Olives winds up pulling it off against Islam, what what does that leave left for Volk? You know, considering, you know, he's kind of already cleared out that whole division, would you, you know, run it back with Max possibly? You know, because I feel like they do the trilogy between Charlie Olives and, uh, and Islam over the Volk fight. So I was just wondering your thoughts on that. Thanks. Thanks, man. Oh, to answer the other question uh, about 205, it's Jamal Hill. Jamal Hill's going to get the next shot. So, And then maybe it, uh, Walker and Ankaliyev, perhaps. But, like, a grindy decision is not going to do it. Like, I think Ankaliyev's going to win that fight. I think he makes it look somewhat easy, but it's, it doesn't matter. It's got to be exciting. He's got to look exciting. He's going to go out there and finish Johnny Walker. If he goes out there and finishes Johnny Walker, then yeah, he's he's his next fight will probably be for the belt. But Jamal Hill's got next. And it's just a matter of timing at that point. Jamal can come back somehow first half of 2024 and we can get Pereira or Yuri back in there, <clears throat> then you go right to you go right to Jamal Hill. You go right to Jamal Hill. And then Ankle F maybe gets one more. But I think at that point, if he goes out and finishes John, he doesn't need to do anything else. Um, for Volk, the thing is he hasn't – I mean, he's beaten guys. He's beaten Max three times. He's beaten Zombie. He's beaten Ortega. He's beaten Yair. We do have a big fight coming up between Arnold Allen and Mavzar Vloyev. I would be real interested to see either of those guys fight Volkanovsky. We got Bryce Mitchell. We got Giga, although I don't think Giga's going to get to a title fight. Bryce could. And then we just have like a whole bunch of like guys who are real close to getting over the hump into the top 15. Like there's there's a lot of guys here. So I don't think Volk's cleared out the division at all. I think he's got some good wins. Obviously, Holloway, the names I mentioned, but there's other guys. Arnold Allen's right there. If Arnold Allen goes out there and beats Evloyev, like that's a big win. If Evloyev beats Allen, that's a big win for him. That's another guy that he could fight. So, But if Volk, if Volk comes out of there, like if Volk, Volk goes out there and beats Deporia, which that's a, that fight I really want to see. I'm really looking forward to that fight if and when it happens possibly in January. Really interested in that one. And if Volk wants to, if Volk feels like I'm going for two division status, like I don't want to hear it. 
I don't want to hear that. He had his chance to be a two-division champion. A lot of people still feel he, he beat Islam Makachev. I am not one of those people. I thought Islam Makachev won that fight. Just vacate the featherweight title and then just say, I'm a lightweight now. I'm going to go up to lightweight and win that belt. Cool. The bigger fights are there at lightweight anyways. But if you're going to be the guy that's like, well, I'm going to try to be a simultaneous two-division champion, like you got to still defend against the guys who are up. Arnold Allen or Avloyev would probably be next if he beats Deporia. There's guys for him to fight. And then look at where we're at like a year, 18 months, two years from now. We got guys like Joanna Sombrito and Jonathan Pierce and Lerone Murphy who are on nice win streaks right now and other guys on the come up as well. Jack Shore, 145. Other guys, they're very solidly behind Nate Landwehr. I know he just lost to Dan Ige, but they're very solidly behind him. So there are guys left for him to fight, but if he wants to fight for the lightweight title, like then just go fight for the lightweight title. But I think his legacy would be cemented even more so if he fought Taporia, fought one or two more guys at, as the champion at 145, then go up to 55. Like, that's what I want to see from both of these guys. Like, I, I definitely want to see Makachev Volkanovsky, too. I want to see that fight. But it's a fight I want to see maybe at the end of the year. End of next year, I mean. Or in 2025. Two, three more wins for each of those guys, then we do it again. No problem with that. But this whole rush to, like, fight for second belts, we don't need it. Like, I understand why they made Volkanovsky... Makachev just made sense. The timing was perfect for it. It worked. Right now, the timing isn't great to run it back or for anything else. So I don't think Holloway's going to get another shot at Volk. So we'll see. Long way around that one, but yes, I got there. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year 
at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Uh, Abswalia, go ahead. So, Mike, so um, I have just two questions I want to ask today. Um, one is about uh, Colby Covington and the Islam fight. I'll, get, I'll start with that first. Um, so, obviously, assuming Islam beats Charles Oliveira and he defends his title successfully against Justin Gaethje, Colby Covington beats Leon in December. The stars align. Maybe they fight it sometime next year in May or April. Um, obviously, I will ask you, how, how do you see that fight going? Um, do you think Islam's um, fight IQ and unique understanding of Samuel and um, judo neutralization can prevent some of Colby Compton's very on on pressure type of wrestling? And how do you see both doing the striking department? Uh, and just to follow a little bit on that scenario, like um, let's say okay, maybe Islam does not end up winning against Charles, and if like Colby Compton wins the title, do you think Dustin Poirier could be a possible title defense? He might. Um, actually, sorry. Let's say Leon does beat Colby instead, right? And Leon, no, Colby obviously is still in the top two. Could you see Dustin Poirier and Colby Compton fight, fighting? And maybe if Dustin was to win against Colby, he could fight for the title at welterweight. Um, and also, just another thing I want to talk about was the bantamweight. Like, I think it's just more of a statement. I think like um, bantamweight is a very good example of how MMA mat does not work because. If you look, I've noticed a lot of the final division, they're all kind of clustered up with some wins and losses. Like, you know, Corey Sanhagen, he's had a lot of wins against Marlon Vera, you know, um, Song Yudong, and, you know, like, Rob Fong, but he's lost to Piotr Jan. Then Piotr Jan, he's lost to some of the greatest guys. But I could see him possibly being like a Song Yudong or, you know, Rob Fong or Marlon Vera. But then I was also thinking, if Sean O'Malley fights um, Marlon Vera, there's a good chance we can see a repeat of what Pantoja and Brandon Marino just happened recently because Marlon Vera's style um, combats some of Sean O'Malley's weaknesses very well. But then it's like, you kind of look at it, it's, it's a very interesting case. Then, you know, you have like Narab. I would definitely love to see him fight Henry Cejudo because both are high-level pressure wrestlers and they have a, a very unique striking capability. So, you know, just a little bit of a statement from there, not much of a question, but I do want to know if you agree with my thoughts on that. Have a good day, man. Yeah, I touched on the the Islam Colby thing already. Like, I don't know if they fought. I don't know. It's tough. It's tough. It's one of those things where, like, Islam would have to get him out of there pretty quickly. Because the longer that fight goes, the more that favors Colby. There's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. Colby's gas tank is way better than Makachev's. It just is. He's been there. He's gone the distance. He doesn't get tired. Makachev is still very dangerous even when he's tired, but he's certainly slowed down against Volkanovsky. And that would be a big problem against Colby. But Makachev's a beast, man. It'd be an interesting fight. Like, I would watch it. I just don't want to see it right now. Like, if Makachev wins and then Colby wins the welterweight title, like, why are we making this fight now? Colby without a title defense. Makachev with just two, one against a feather against the featherweight champion, still one of the best in the world, pound for pound. There's just too much going on right now. 
for Makachev. And, and lightweight, there's so many fresh matchups for him. So many fresh matchups. Now, the other question, could Colby fight Dustin for the welterweight title? Yes. Yes, because it's a different... Colby does things very differently. He is a prize fighter. He picks his spots. That's what prize fighting is. You pick the biggest names at the best times. He did it with Mazadal. He did it with Woodley. Did it with Robbie Lawler to some extent. I think that fight was kind of cobbled together, but definitely did it with Woodley. Did it with Mazadal. He would do it with Dustin. If he sees a decline with Dustin, Dustin's a big enough star where the UFC would, would entertain that idea. That could very possibly happen because I don't think Colby's going to be jumping or chomping at the bit to fight Bilal Muhammad or a Shafkat or anybody of that nature. I just don't think so. Not because he's scared. He just wants to, he wants to make the bag. He wants to make as much money as possible. He wants to fight in the biggest fights he can. So that could happen. I could see a world where that happens. It'd be super weird and we would complain about it. But it's a possibility in today's UFC, for sure. There's a rivalry there. UFC loves to tap into that stuff. Uh, Bantamweight's just a crazy division, man. It's super deep, and on any given night, any of these guys can beat any of these uh, any of these guys. It can it can just happen. Like, look at Marab Dumoulin. Really. Go back to the Marlon Marais fight. Remember when he when Marlon Marais was on that like bad losing streak, and he fought Marab, and everyone's like, "Oh man." Marab's just going to kill this dude. And then Marais is like this close to finishing him. This close to getting him out of there. And then Marab had the miraculous comeback. Like any of these guys on any given night could beat any of these other guys. It's, it can happen. So, yeah, MMA math doesn't really make sense at 135 because on any given night, anybody in the top 15 can, can beat anybody in the division. It's crazy. That's what makes the division good. And we'll see what happens when when we get the Sean O'Malley Marlon Vera rematch, because we're gonna get it, folks. Just be prepared. We're gonna get it. Maybe it's February, maybe it's March, but that fight is going to happen for sure. Uh the baby seal. Go ahead. Oh uh, hey Mike, real quick. Um, do you think we should just get rid of ten eights in MMA? It's kind of holding up the visions if you think about it, because of the uh Dumble Hovich and or was it Dumble Hovich and uh, anyway, we're, we're live? Yeah, I'm live. And then uh, the fight on Noche. Like, it's just holding up divisions if you think about it. Uh, you think we should just get rid of it? Thanks. No, I don't think we should get rid of it. It's just, we just need a better way to utilize it. Because, like, it is a boxing scoring model. And I understand why MMA tries to use it, but a lot of times it doesn't make sense. Like, it's, it's clear in boxing. Like, we start off, winner of the round, and a close round wins a 10-9. In boxing, if you just knock a guy down, like, it's automatic 10-8. If you knock him down twice, automatic 10-7. Knock him down a third time, automatic 10-6. Like, it's, knockdown is a point every single time. What bothers me in MMA with the 10-point must system is 
Like we treat a super close 10-9 round the same as almost a dominant 10-9 round. Like it's exactly the same. Maybe there wasn't a knockdown. Maybe there wasn't a near finish. But if someone, you know, if we have round one and two guys are on the feet and one guy just lands like a few more strikes, is a little more aggressive, has a couple of extra moments, right? They win a 10-9, but it's a super tight round. And then we go to the next round and fighter B gets a takedown, stays on top of him. He's landing ground and pound. Like fighter A is not in like incredible danger of getting finished, but he is getting flat out dominated. Like did nothing in the round, but it scored a 10-9. Like how are those 10-9s the same? How are those 10-9s the same? That's my big issue with the 10-point must system. I think 10-8 should be used a little more aggressively. Obviously not in the Alexa Grasso case because that was not a 10-8 round. But you could have said – you. but in that fight, like there were two possible other 10-8 rounds in that fight. Round two could have been a 10-8. Round three could have been a 10-8. Like there were more reasonable arguments for 10-8s and two and three in that fight than there was in five. So I, I honestly, I still don't know what Mike Bell was thinking there. doesn't seem like anybody else knows what Mike Bell was thinking there. You could try to defend him and say, well, the angle and all this. No, there's no world where that's a 10-8. What I would like to see more of is more 10-10 rounds, honestly. Like, we have to be okay with the occasional draw, guys. Like, we have to be okay with that. I know it sucks because, like, with the way the, the pay structure is, it's win and show – but we have to be more okay with 10-10 rounds. Like Shevchenko, Grasso 2, round 4. Like if Mike Bell had scored round 4 10-10 instead of a 10-8 and then scored at the – like gave Grasso 10 – like we still got to draw that way. Like I don't think there would be any complaints. I don't think there would be any complaints about that. I don't think we'd get rid of 10-8 rounds. I think we just need to use them – not totally loosely, but use them better. And I think we need more 10-10 rounds, honestly. I think we need more 10-10 rounds. Like a super close match where it's like, oh, this one could have gone either way. I think we should utilize that a little bit more. For sure. But no, don't get rid of 10-8s altogether. Uh, let's try to get big price in here. We'll get to Viking and then, uh, we got to get out of here. Big price got the wheel of doom. Uh, not going through, not going through big price. You could try to get, Oh, maybe hold on. Nope. Don't have, them. maybe we get Viking in here. Viking. Do we have you? Wait, what'd you say? I couldn't hear anything you said. Who is the biggest superstar right now in the UFC? Kobe Covington or Sean O'Malley? Thanks a lot. Thanks, buddy. Bigger superstar, Kobe or O'Malley? It's it's probably O'Malley. Yeah, it's it's O'Malley. It's O'Malley. It's O'Malley. Colby's there. Like, Colby's a star in a different way. Like, he's more of a – like, Colby's definitely over. That dude gets views. People care what he has to say. 
whether you love him or hate him, like, dude, dude brings traffic. Like, there's no doubt about it. Um, and Colby has been, Colby's been a part of some big cards. Like, he has. When he fought Usman at MSG, like, that was a big-ass gate for the UFC. That sold a good chunk of pay-per-views for them. So, but I think O'Malley, I think it's O'Malley. I think he resonates more with the younger audience. And I think that's honestly, the UFC wants to get attract that audience more than anybody else right now. And it's, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. That's a smart business thing to do. But I think it's O'Malley, not by a lot right now, but I do think if O'Malley goes out and beats Cheeto and looks great doing it, it will certainly be O'Malley by a lot. But we'll see. All right, rapid fire. We got three one three lined up. We're gonna fire through these real quick. Right, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Big Mike, appreciate you, man. How's everything going? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you've heard anything regarding uh, Michael Page or MVP um, in regards to uh, where he's going to be fighting, whether he's chosen the UFC or, you know, uh, he's had a goal of, you know, where he wants to fight just because I think he's going to, he'd make a great addition to the welterweight division. Um, so I don't know if you know anything about that. Appreciate you. Nothing that I've heard about MVP yet. Um, I'm sure there's some interest from like everybody involved. Um, Bellator is kind of a mystery because we just don't know what the hell of the future is for them. Um, PFL would actually be interesting with this new pay-per-view thing. Like the amount of people who said to me after the PFL Europe event that nobody got to watch in the United States, uh, that it seems like not a dream fight, but a fight that's on people's radars is MVP versus Cedric Doombay. Like people want to see that fight. People want to see that fight and PFL has got money to spend. So if I'm PFL, I'm trying to make that fight happen, man. I'm trying to make that fight happen. I've talked about this before. It all depends on what Michael wants. It all depends on what he wants. Does he care about just making a bag? If it's all about the money, then he should go to PFL. He should go to he should fight in BKFC again, honestly, because BKFC's got money to spend too. And they would pay him. Maybe you look at a a game bread. You look at the game bread bare knuckle. They're paying fighters tremendously from all accounts. There's a game bread boxing card. Supposedly it's going to be coming up at the end of the year. Uh, when I talked to Mazadal, he said there's going to be a big announcement in regards to that, a big ass event that's going to shock a bunch of people. So that's not a bad place to go. Like there's places for him to go. It just depends on what he wants. If this is a legacy thing and it's not all about the money and he wants to cement some legacy, then yeah, go to the UFC. Cause he's out of all the potential suitors, at least in my opinion, I think MVP will get the least amount of money from the UFC because they don't need him. They don't need Michael Venom Page. Be a nice little addition, but they don't need him. But there would be some interesting fights for him. But like, let's let's just look at welterweight in the UFC. Let's take a gander at 
I'm going to look at my rankings here. Let me pull up my rankings real quick. Just in regards to like who I would pick. There we go. That's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm looking for. Welterweights. Do, do, do. Okay. Sorry about that. Shemaev would absolutely pick against MVP. I'd pick Usman against MVP. I'd pick Colby against MVP. Shafkat against MVP. Amasov against MVP. I'd probably pick Bilal Muhammad. I would probably pick Gilbert Burns. Brady would be interesting, but I would probably lean Brady. Wonderboy would be fun, but I don't think they're going to fight each other. Ian Gary would be super fun. Jeff Neal would be fun. Like, there's fun fights, but, like, man, he would struggle against the top eight or nine guys because they would just wrestle the shit out of him. So it's tough, man. It's it's just tough. It's a tough division to get up there when when wrestling is your is your bad thing. So, I mean, if MVP signs the UFC, that I would actually honestly, of all the places he lands, I think that would be the most surprising. I would give him so much credit though if he signs with the UFC. But I just think at, at the age he's at, this point in his career. I think he just wants to kind of cement his future, and he ain't going to get that bag with the UFC, at least not right away. Uh, we'll go one more. We'll go with Rayon, and then this is it, perhaps. But the Wheel of Doom is upon us. Uh, it's not going through. All right. Well, lucky for you, Rayon. Um, screenshotting, if you come in tomorrow, I will – boost you to the front of the line but we gotta go we gots to go everybody uh btl coming up in a little over an hour's time from right now 12 30 p.m eastern if you didn't get your questions in here for whatever reason uh we're gonna answer questions on btl the whole time the whole time unless we get some like breaking news in between now in 12 30 eastern uh but if not i will be back here tomorrow and we'll do it again everybody we will do it again here on Heck of a Morning. Thank you all very much. I appreciate it. If you guys came in a little bit later, you can listen to the entire show start to finish on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. See you tomorrow, 10 a.m. or 10.15 a.m. Eastern time. I think that's kind of the new time we're going with. But have a great rest of your Thursday. And as always, have a heck of a morning, everybody. Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. 
This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the US, so make sure you don't miss it. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.